The CFB Winning Edge podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. It's college football preview magazine season, and the first edition of the CFB Winning Edge preview book will be on sale in July. But our Tier 2 Patreon supporters already have access to over 10,000 individual player ratings, as well as position and unit ratings, coach ratings, and power rankings for all 130 FBS teams, plus complete projections, including win totals and projected point spreads for every game of the 2020 college football schedule. And unlike magazines that are obsolete before you get them home, we update our depth charts daily based on injuries, transfers, and other news. Visit patreon.com slash cfbwinningedge to join. Welcome back. It's another edition of the College Football Winning Edge podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports, and I'm joined, as always, by Nicholas Ian Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFP Winning Edge. Follow him on the Twitter at CFP Winning Edge. And Xavier Trish, you can follow him on the Twitter at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. You know, normally I jump in, we banner a little bit, and uh, then we start hitting some news. But Nick, I know you have uh, some stuff you want to talk about at the very front here. So let's just, I'm going to hand it right off to you and uh, take the ball and run with it. Yeah, well, well thank you. And, and uh, usually we keep our uh, conversations, you know, pretty closely tied to college football specifically. But I think uh, over the last week and, and, you know, of course, much longer, we've had a, a lot of issues worth discussing, but uh, you know, college football coaches across the country have, have made statements following the death of uh, George Floyd at the hands of police in Minneapolis last week and uh, the ensuing marches and protests nationwide uh, related to that incident and, and unfortunately uh, far too many others. And, um, you know, there's a, a wide range of responses. Some of the statements were long, some were short, uh, some were very passionate and personal, others uh, kind of read like they were written, you know, just by PR firms, quite honestly. Uh, some were published after days of silence, even. And, and uh, you know, some coaches, I think, admittedly, uh, or, you know, admitted that they did not know what to say. And, and I do certainly uh, understand that. Uh, among some of the earliest responses that we saw were PJ Fleck, which, uh, of course, makes sense with the University of Minnesota being there, uh, located in Minneapolis. And, and then uh-huh. some, uh, in my opinion, uh, of the most powerful. Uh, responses that that I've seen and, and read uh, come from coaches such as you know Maryland head coach Mike Loxley, who unfortunately has lost a son to gun violence, uh, has, has been through quite a lot. Uh, Nevada head coach Jay Norvell uh, and uh, William and Mary head coach Mike London, who uh, has a, a particularly interesting perspective as a, a former police officer. So, uh, and of course, all of those. Uh, those three in particular are African-American head coaches who uh, I think can speak to this a, a lot better uh, than I can, certainly. And, and um, I, I think that they uh, had a lot of great things to say and, and encourage you to, to check those out. Um, teams did some interesting things. I mean, Rutgers and Ohio State uh, were among those that released videos of players speaking. Uh, there were some high-profile players, such as Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence, among the, the first to speak up and, and use – uh, the platform that college football has given them to uh, 
you know, speak about the issue of uh, racism and, and uh, racial uh, imbalance and uh, police brutality and, and a wide range of, of topics that have been uh, coming up in, in, you know, more so in, in recent weeks, but have been uh, sort of below the surface, I think, uh, a little too long. Um, we've seen some coaches uh, go out and, and be a, a visible presence at uh, some of the protests. Uh, among them, uh, Appalachian State head coach Sean Clark, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. Though they attended uh, marches in Boone, North Carolina, and, and Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan, respectively. Uh, so I, I wanted to, to just sort of say because uh, I'm pretty quiet usually. I'm, I'm not a very vocal person. Uh, I'm not super vocal on social media, uh, just in general, and, and really especially when it comes to real world issues. I get pretty awkward. I get uncomfortable fairly easily, and, and that's with a variety of, of topics. Um, this one in particular is, is somewhat difficult because I'm basically as privileged as they come. I'm, I'm a white man uh, who, you know, with just that in itself comes with um, its own privilege and, and can list a, a wide variety of, of things that come along with that. Uh, so oftentimes it's easy for, for someone like me to take the path of least resistance, to hide, to uh, stay silent and, and, you know, for lack of a better term, sort of wait for things to blow over. But uh, I felt in this instance uh, in particular, uh, silence is uh, unacceptable. Um, I worked for a, a very smart head coach when I was uh, an assistant at Clark Central High School in Athens, Georgia. Uh, he would often say to us, "You either coach, uh, you either coach it, or you allow it to happen." So when he was talking to uh, about players, you know, if if players are doing a certain thing, they're doing that either because you coach them to do that or you allowed it to happen. So if it, you know, if it's uh, something that needs to be fixed, you either need to coach what is correct or uh, if they're, you know, if you allow it to happen, then, then that uh, practice will continue to, to uh, go down the wrong path. And, and systematic racism, I think, is the same way. Uh, many people have pointed out in recent days, it's not enough to be uh, non-racist. We have to be anti-racist. I personally uh, need to do a better job of coaching, of speaking up for change uh, and, and stop allowing it to happen. Um, I, I understand a public statement, a tweet, a black square on Instagram, uh, or one mention on a podcast like this one is not going to fix anything uh, in itself. Unfortunately, many of those things are uh, just lip service. Uh, a lot of those statements I think we've seen uh, however, this moment has allowed us to talk about some of these very important things. And also, I think important, um, we can listen and, and we can learn. There are a ton of resources that uh, have been brought to the forefront recently um, that uh, we can certainly all explore to, to learn more and educate ourselves. Uh, in relation to college football specifically, I, I found a, an article very uh, helpful from Nicole Auerbach and, and the athletic staff uh, put one up this morning. Um, uh, I believe it's titled Amid Protest College Football Coaches Pledge to Listen, Lead, and Act. Uh, please do check that out if, if you get a chance. Um, and then, of course, there are tons of recommendations that have been made online about uh, books and documentaries to 
explore these topics, whether it's institutional racism or, um, you know, the, uh, a wide variety of things that, that we probably should be talking about a lot more, learning a lot more and, and understanding better. Uh, I myself will try to do better. I will try to, to not be silent. I will try to not hide uh, behind the, the path of least resistance. Uh, I do want to thank uh, those of you out there who are brave enough to take a stand, to speak up, to fight the good fight uh, each and every day. There are, there are people of, of all backgrounds uh, who are uh, doing the right thing and, and using their voice, their platform uh, for good. So I uh, just wanted to start with that today. Uh, but then, of course, if, if uh, Xavier or Scott, if, if you'd like to uh, you know, speak about this topic or, or anything else, please uh, welcome you to, to do so. Xavier, go ahead, man. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I think this is a time for action. Um, we've said all we can say for the most part, especially from the African-American community. Um, and now it's time for action. If you guys will uh, go to my Twitter, Zabir underscore Trisha, Scott says in every, po- in every podcast, I am putting more than just one petition for you guys to sign. Uh, you guys could always donate those types of things. And obviously with primary voting coming up, these are the times that we need to really be focusing on. These are the things that we really need to be focusing on for change. Um, if we really want to see change, it's going to be in the higher ups. Uh, we can talk all we want to on social media. We can have discussions like we're having right now. Um, I want these discussions to continue, but I also want action to be brought about through this happening. Um, let's not allow this death as well as the others to just be a blip on our radar um, or something that happened during coronavirus. Allow this to be a time in which you began to act towards making this country better. Uh, This is a country that we all share. This is a country that we deserve to be able to live in freely uh, and without the fear of, you know, dying at any given time uh, in the midst of a routine traffic stop or anything like that. And I think that right now is a time to use this to act. Most of us are at home. Most of us do not have the ability to go to work. Most of us do not have the ability to go to school. Um, So use this time wisely to go out and vote, to uh, donate, to talk and send emails to your local officials, all of these things to better help the situation so that it doesn't stop just here, but it's an issue that we see decline and hopefully become deceased, you know, before the next generation of kids. You know, I, I would hate to be able to have to have the same discussion that my parents had with me at age 12 and 13 year old, uh, 12, age 12 and 13 with my son or daughter at age 12 and 13 about police brutality and about things like that. Um, and, and the only way that that's going to change is if action happens. Uh, we can no longer just talk. We can no longer just um, have social media posts and things of that nature. Action is the only way to prevent this from happening in the future. Yeah, and I, I really don't ever say anything political. I mean, on uh, in the In This League group me rooms, we have, uh, we call it the grown man room, where uh, anyone can talk about their political stuff, but I want it kept out of the, the sports room. So I'm not a guy that, that says most, most things that, that I'm thinking politically. And, um, you know, I do think like Nick said, and like Xavier said, that just probably needs to change on my end that's a change that i need to make is is i need to start saying something i think emmanuel acho uh you know did a great job he put out a video today i don't know if you guys saw that uh but just kind of explaining perspective because that's not something that i have like uh you know 
Uh, Nick mentioned, um, you know, just being a white privileged guy that, that grew up without worrying about things. And I don't think about worrying about things. You know, I think that um, being anti-racist is so obvious. It's like not rooting for COVID to win. You know what I mean? It, it's just so ingrained into my thought process. I just can't believe that there's other people with those real thoughts in, in their heart. So, uh, it, but obviously it's still there. So things need to be said and, uh, you know, we need to, to make the change like Xavier said. So thank you, uh, gentlemen for your point, your points and your perspective, uh, in this weird, terrible time in our nation. And hopefully we get back on the right, right track soon or, or just on the right track you know, mm-hmm. not even back on the yeah. right track, not keep things status quo. Let's change for the better. Um, right. But yeah, so I don't have a good transition out of this to uh, college football, surprisingly. Um, but we do have a lot of news going on in college football. And Nick, it starts with uh, some campuses opening up uh, back to students and athletes this week. So uh, we are very, very excited about that. Yeah, I think so. And, and uh, you know, it, it's certainly uh, some good news, but it's it's still, you know, have to be a little bit cautious because as we're, we're seeing some uh, players come back and some programs, it, it seems like most programs are doing some form of testing. And, and I'm certainly no expert, but I think that probably is a smart thing, especially since it seems uh, we found that Marshall uh, there were, I believe, two athletes and one employee tested positive for COVID-19 and are now in quarantine. I think just before we started recording, I saw something about maybe a third Marshall player. And, and then Oklahoma State has a, a linebacker, uh, Amin. We did this the other week. Yeah. Uh, Agbong Bamiga. Here we go. I apologize. <laughs> I, I'm sure that's wrong, but uh, Amin, uh, a great Great player. I mean, somebody that came up in our conversations about our all Big yeah. 12 teams. Uh, uh-huh. Specifically, he uh, announced on Tuesday that he had tested positive. And, and then there were some uh, other reports. Uh, one, actually, you know, interestingly, I, I guess, again, on, on uh, Og Bon Bamiga, uh, mentioned that, that he uh, attended a, a protest in Tulsa, which – uh, of course, is I think you know personally a, a great thing, but it's something that I failed to mention in my soliloquy was that uh, this particular time is so much, you know, the the whole <laughs> pandemic just adds to this, yeah, uh, making things even you know another layer of of dangerous and even and the so, nice things you see. I saw a picture of cops and protesters shaking hands. Absolutely, I was like man. You know, it's a nice yeah. gesture for COVID nineteen. You know, right. like, I I just it, it's um and that we're gonna see fallouts from that unfortunately, and a lot of my stupid state is uh we're getting uh, we reopened too soon and we're having the most cases we've ever had uh over the last week I think so, so yeah 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 Georgia and Arizona uh, represent so. Uh, so, you know, certainly I hope he is, is, uh, safe. I hope anybody, uh, that he has come in contact with, uh, stays safe and, and, and anybody else yeah, sounds like somewhere between three and five, there was a report that five Oklahoma state players, uh, tested positive and, and they actually, uh, stopped the incoming freshmen, told them not to report on Tuesday. Uh, I believe since earlier today, the school announced three players. So some, somewhere in there, but you know, of, of, 
let's say, you know, 85 scholarship players, probably 100 guys on the roster. Three players, 3% is pretty, pretty high percentage. So, you know, the, we're going to have to keep an eye on this. And, and I know that there are people a lot smarter than me, team doctors and, and uh, school administration officials are, you know, have plans in place. Oklahoma State released its uh, tiered plan on, on what these players will be uh, doing, including quarantine and contact tracing and, and all of that. So uh, again, unfortunately, a, a non-specific college football thing that we have to deal with, but that's, you know, that that's sort of what's going on right now. So it's, it's certainly something to keep an eye on because we certainly hope one, this thing just doesn't spread in general, but two, uh, that it doesn't spread within college football teams and, and within those communities. So uh, unfortunate that, that, you know, it keeps coming up. But as these players are coming back on uh, to campus, it's, it's something we're going to see more and more, uh, I believe. Xavier, your thoughts on uh, campuses reopening and just, I mean, we know players are going to test positive for COVID-19, but I still think it's like, oh, damn whenever you see it happen. So yeah. um, our reaction probably isn't really appropriate because we know this is going to happen. Logically, it makes sense, but I think I'm still a little surprised to hear it happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we can look towards other sporting uh, events like uh, in Europe. They've already started back with, you know, some of their soccer uh, leagues have already begun to open up and you kind of see the amount of testing going on. Um, and even there, you know, I think uh, to give it kind of context, the British Premier League, tested everybody and still two people had yeah. COVID. And, it, it, and so they were, they're still apprehensive about, you know, the, the situation going into the league and they expect those two people in particular to, to stay quarantined. Um, and that's kind of the situation that we're in. We're going to kind of continue to have to uh, see where this is kind of on a weekly basis. As we get closer and closer to the season starting, um, you see the NBA announced that they're going into that. They're opening the season back up and stuff like that. So throughout all of this, it's going to be a constant of, you know, are you are, are you putting your players in a safe environment? Uh, are you making sure that everybody's tested? How much are they tested? You know, when's the last time you were tested since being uh uh, negative. So those kind of situations are always going to be a little weird. Um, Georgia State in particular not, came out with not one, not two, but three different contingency plans for fall, uh, yeah. all ranging from social distancing classes to having like everybody on campus on Monday and then everybody then on campus on Wednesday so they can clean up on Tuesdays and Thursdays, stuff like that, to just flat out online fall classes. So yeah, it's, it's just a feeling out process that we're all just going to have to kind of get accustomed to uh throughout this process yeah but it, what, uh, sorry to interrupt scott no, go i think that the uh you brought up a, a very interesting point about uh, testing and, and how often people are going to want to test and, and we hope they test a lot but those tests at least right now are not cheap and so right. you know i've heard some conversations uh there was a, a really good pod uh, 247 sports does a, a daily podcast and they had uh one of their national writers brandon marcello uh did a, a you know uh, an interview and, and was going through all of the details on, on some of the things that he had spoken with about different programs and, and things like that. And, you know, certain issues came up in that conversation, such as, you know, if you've got a quarterback, you know, quarterback room, right. Uh, and you want to make sure everybody stays safe. Are you going to put your starting quarterback and your backup quarterback in the same meeting room, or are you going to separate those guys during the week just in case the <laughs> starter gets, you know, test positive And, you know, so yeah. there's, there's all these just moving parts. And, and then of course, you know, uh, 
Alabama is one thing, right? They, they've got unlimited resources. Wyoming yeah. is a different thing or, or UAB right. even closer, you know, a different thing. So what are these right. sort of the, the different uh, levels as far as support and resources and money and things like that? How is that going to play into all this? And this is uncharted territory for a lot of us. I mean, this is something that we haven't dealt with in what a uh, hundred years or so. So hopefully it'll be another hundred, but you know, once we get through this, but yeah, uh, a lot of weird stuff I think is going to, going to be popping up for us this year. And even though Xavier might call us a hundred years old, we're not a hundred years old. So not yet. Uh, not yet. <laughs> we're, we're not quite that old. So we have not experienced this in the past yet. So hopefully, like you said, it's, you know, college football is one of the more, um, uh, uh, you know, I guess up in the air as far as leagues go. I mean, the NFL, like I said, th- is full steam ahead. You know, the only thing that they're saying is like, look, we'll just, we're not going to do mini camps. We're not going to do meetings. We'll keep it all virtual until training camp. Then we'll get everybody in and get going and, you know, do the testing and all that stuff. Then uh, baseball is arguing about money. Everything else is done. But, uh, I, I thought Xavier is going to flip that table over for a second uh, because that's how I feel about baseball. So just get it done. Just get going. And, and basketball is, uh, you know, basketball is ready to go. Hockey's ready to go. MLS. Go Hawks. I'm, I'm looking forward to the Hawks getting back on back in action. Hmm. No, I don't think that they're going to be back in action. That was one of the 22 teams coming back. Even the Suns are coming right. back, and they're <laughs> terrible. I'm a Rockets fan myself, but, uh, you know, the, the Suns locally out here, uh, they're terrible, and they're getting in. They're one of the 22 teams, but eight teams left out. Unfortunately, the Hawks are. Fortunately, the Warriors are also one of those teams. So uh, very happy to see that. But. Uh, you know, MLS is getting back. The NHL is coming back. Everything is coming back, but they all have, like you mentioned, Nick, the, uh, the testing that's being implemented into all these places. So they are going, yeah, they have the money for it. They can work things out and and all that. College football is a whole. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, just because of a, you know, just a flat out a PR standpoint is these Mm. leagues are also going to be donating tests towards the local communities that that they're in as well so uh, i don't know like are some of these schools have said that if they don't get football they're not going to be able to continue this year they're not going to be able to continue the football program right so if they have to then also on top of getting back and having no fans and not getting the gate and all that stuff some of it doesn't matter because some of these schools are smaller they don't get big crowds anyway but now they have to pay for uh, test for their players who's paying for that. So yeah, it's a lot of trickle down information. Um, you know, hopefully we will get it all sorted out and, you know, fingers crossed, but this is the same reason why when the president met with all of the commissioners of the leagues, he didn't know who to pick for football. So he's like, you know, we'll just let Pence do that. And Pence did, but he met with all the commissioners of the different conferences and stuff like that. So, um, very weird, uh, very weird situation college football is in because, like Nick said, we know Alabama's and USC's and Texas, Oklahoma, they can afford the test with no issue. But can Wyoming, can UAB, can FCS schools, you know, right. uh, it, it's it's going to trickle down all the way down. So that's the big question that remains to be answered. Everything else seems pretty decent, though. Uh, it seems like we're on the upswing uh, you know, as far as COVID goes in most places, not in Georgia or Arizona, but most other places, 
uh, we're doing pretty good. Um, but now, Nick, I do like how you broke up this news because we have um, just like a stack of bad news. I'm going to burn through and then I'm going to go to each of you guys. And then we have the better news, which is going to be more fun to talk about, of course. So let's get, you know, uh, bad news out of the way first. And the first uh, thing we have to say here is former Auburn head coach Pat Dye passed away Monday at the age of 80. He was a former Georgia player and was also the head coach of East Carolina and Wyoming. He won 99 games across 12 seasons at Auburn, led the Tigers to the SEC title in 83 and 87 outright, and shared titles in 88 and 89. So uh, tough to hear about Pat Dye. And then also former Tennessee, Pitt, and Iowa State head coach Johnny Majors passed away Wednesday. The CFP Hall of Famer, All-American, um, he was a CFP Hall of Famer and an All-American as a player. Uh, he led Pitt to the 1976 national title, won three SEC titles with the Vols. Um, Dabo Sweeney announced Monday that, and this is this one hurts real bad too, um, that Justin Ross is going to miss this year after surgery. We brought it up last week about the Stinger surgery. We weren't really sure what that, what that was all about because Stingers don't usually require surgery, but he has uh, – congenital fusion in his spine and he's going to have surgery to fix it. It might fix it and he'll be good to come back next season, whether, I mean, he's draft eligible too. So he might just want to jump to the NFL, but uh, a lot of guys that have this are forced to medically retire. So, uh, you know, keep, keep your fingers crossed um, for uh, Justin Ross. And then we had Tennessee running back. Tim Jordan got arrested on multiple charges and uh, they were not, you know, it's not protesting charges. So n not a good look for Tim Jordan. Um, he was kind of third on the depth chart anyway. I, I don't know if he's going to be continuing his career at Tennessee. And then um, the season opener between Notre Dame and Navy, or originally scheduled to be played in Ireland, obviously will now be played in Annapolis. Uh, it will be the first time the Fighting Irish have played at uh, Navy uh, Marine Corps Stadium. That's interesting. And ESPN's College Game Day was scheduled to go to Dublin, and now they have to switch to Annapolis. So uh, it sucks for them. You know, they're going to get to go to Ireland, and now Maryland. Here you go. Same difference, right? But, uh, you know, who knows? But um, bad, lot, lots of weird bad news, Nick. I do, like I said, I do like the way you stacked it because it's going to be all positivity after this section of uh -huh. the pod here. Uh -huh. But your thoughts on uh, the negative news coming yes, out right now? Yes, I figured it would, you know, we'd slowly transition out of the darkness. But, <laughs> yes, uh, yes. But yeah, I mean, un unfortunately, two basically legendary head coaches in, in the SEC, uh, Pat Dye, and and uh, he, he basically, it, it seems. Pat Dye sort of elevated Auburn football kind of uh, to the level basically where they, they are now. I mean, they, yeah. they were in a somewhat uh, depressed period. He, he was able to come in and, and uh, really elevate that program, raise the expectations, made them a contender in the SEC from year to year and basically has turned Auburn in, into what they are now, or at least set them on that path, which, uh, you know, includes high expectations and basically coaches – uh, potentially on the hot seat every year, you know, because those expectations are so high. Johnny Majors is is uh, a super interesting guy. I mean, uh, a, like you said, a Hall of Fame player, 
Uh, he was an All-American, one of the one of the greatest players. You know, he, he always pops up on on those lists. But then he went on to become a national championship winning head coach. Uh, you know, at Pitt when Pitt was uh, an independent, uh, was a national, uh, obviously a national championship uh, level program. But but really one of the uh, for the time the the blue bloods in college football during the 1970s and, and early 80s. And right after he won that national championship, left to go to his alma mater, Tennessee. So you don't often see a national champ, a reigning national championship uh, winning head coach move on, but opportunity to go back home. And, and uh, he took that and, and was a great, uh, uh, great coach for Tennessee as well. So certainly of course, uh, uh, sad news on, on those uh, from those two, the, the Justin Ross thing is, is uh, you know, uh, I guess we shouldn't be too surprised uh, because, and I, I think Xavier alluded to it last week. I mean, just said, you know, hey, we'll keep an eye on this because yeah. uh, this, you know, this doesn't sound good. And, and uh, stingers usually are something that might keep you out the rest of the game, but then you're ready to go next week sort of thing. And and that it was going to result in, in surgery, we probably should have, known better than to think it was just a, a minor thing, but, uh, you know, very unfortunate. Uh, it seems like he's had this condition his, his whole life, as I understand it. So he's been, he has been fortunate so far to, to not suffer a, a severe injury as a result, but um, we certainly hope he'll, he'll be able to bounce back and, and uh, hopefully he will either be in, in college football or the NFL draft uh, this time, you know, next year getting, yeah. getting ready for, to get back on the field. So certainly uh, hope for the best for him. Uh, Tim Jordan. I mean, yeah, you know, uh, fortunately I think we've, we've seen a little less of this sort of thing this year because really hopefully true. people have been <laughs> social distancing, yeah. maybe yeah. not getting in trouble. Uh, but uh, you know, un- unfortunately uh, sounds like got in a, a difficult yeah. situation. Yes. Uh, not a, not a, not a great look. And, and uh, Tennessee is pretty, Pretty talented, especially at that position. So I, I would not be surprised if we've seen the last of uh, Tim Jordan at, at Tennessee. But you know, hopefully he uh, is able to uh, you know work himself back and 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 uh, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Get back. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah. the all the transfer and, and get right. all the best. Yes. All uh, right. Exactly. But, uh, no one's rooting uh, against him. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Whew, this week, man. <laughs> uh, but, uh, the, the Notre Dame and Navy, uh, a bit sad. It, it's a little weird to me when they decide to play in, in Ireland. Me uh, too. Yeah, <laughs> I know the Steelers have been pushing that for a while. I don't know if you remember, but, uh, president Obama made, uh, Dan Rooney, uh, the ambassador to Ireland a while ago. So he's always wanted to play a game in Ireland. I don't know if he's also a Notre Dame alum and was, you know, part of this happening but obviously this was this was something that's been in the works with not just notre dame but multiple teams well uh, navy and was it was navy and georgia tech few, didn't they do that uh, last several year? years ago no not yeah. last year but that was two years ago uh, a while ago yeah okay uh, yeah, yeah. Now, there, now that I remember it. All I know is it was way too early in the morning for me to wake up. For. <laughs> it was like started at like five a.m. or something. Yeah. And, and then uh, Stanford and Rice, I think, played in Australia. So I, I you know, I understand growing the game. Yeah, and, and you wanna yeah. there. There have been. There's now a pipeline of Irish or of uh, Australian punters, and I have seen at least one Irish punter. So hey, maybe <laughs> maybe that's the the deal. But uh, it's it's brings an interesting opportunity because. Notre Dame and, and Navy play every year 
but right. Navy has never hosted Notre Dame and, and uh, they always play in San Diego or you know, some yeah. neutral side. And, and uh, so this is a, an interesting opportunity. It, it's unfortunate. I I'm guessing, and, and hopefully I'm wrong, but my guess would be that this game occurring in August, uh, assuming it does uh, would be without fans. Maybe the, yeah. uh, maybe the, uh, midshipmen will will be able to be in attendance. I'm I'm hopeful that if there aren't general fans, at least maybe students will be able to to attend some of these games. So and a lot of teams uh, we mentioned it last week are doing the you know twenty to fifty thousand plan where it's social right, distance seating right. and stuff like that. So maybe you know we'll see. Let's hope. But uh, you know it certainly would have been a, a unique situation, and, and unfortunate yeah. that it's not going to happen as scheduled. But I'm sure they have. Uh, a backup plan and, and we'll look to do it again soon. But uh, yeah, let's, you know, Whew. no more bad news. Xavier, your thoughts on the bad done. news quickly. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that the, the Justin Ross situation sucks. Um, this yeah. is a guy that was shooing first round draft pick unless he had just one of the worst seasons all the time. And that wasn't going to happen, especially with Trevor Lawrence being his quarterback. So that just really sucks for him. Um, I'm mad that I was right on that situation a little bit. Um, as far as Pat Dye is concerned, um, rest in peace. This is a guy who you – his name will always and forever be synonymous with uh, Auburn. I mean, the field is named after him, um, which gives you one of the weirder kind of commentator things when it's like Pat Dye field at Auburn Stadium. But, you know, I digress. And then lastly, uh, I'll just hit on the, the Dublin situation. It just sucks for the players. I mean, this is a chance for you to, to travel outside of the country to go play mm-hmm. a sport you love. Um, it's an opportunity for you to uh, expand the sport to a to a demographic that doesn't normally see college football on a regular basis, and it's two of the bigger names in college football. Uh, you have Notre Dame and Navy, you know, two of the the, the teams that are most synonymous with the original beginnings of college football. So it just sucks from all those aspects. Um, and you know, to Nick's point of them, you know, trying to do this in the future, uh, these things are scheduled out so far in advance that I have no idea when they're probably going to have right. scheduled. It might be 2033, and they'll be like, yeah, we're back. Be like, <laughs> yeah. Remember, we were planning on doing this in 2020, and then you right. know, the apocalypse happened, and uh, not, now we're back. So, I have a whole new uh, generation of kids to watch right. that game. <laughs> it will be. Yeah, the, the kids being born right now will be 13 uh, at that point. So, uh, maybe, and it's always play weird. on the moon. Huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't joke. You, know? <laughs> you saw Elon Musk, uh, <laughs> Elon Musk launch the other day. We're getting closer and closer. So you jest, you jest, but uh, we're, we're getting closer and closer to that, of course. So um, uh, any more, uh, any more on that? Or are we moving to the good news, fellas? Let's move on. Move it on. Moving on to the good news. All yes. right. So here's the good news. Former USC, and these guys are real happy about this. This is going to be annoying. Uh, <laughs> former USC quarterback JT Daniels, a five-star recruit who started for the Trojans as a freshman, 2018 announced his intention to transfer to Georgia. So, uh, you know, let, we can hit these a little bit slower. Uh, JT Daniels going to Georgia. I'm going to let Xavier go first on this one because <laughs> I, I feel like he's giddy. Um, I, I do. Ecstatic. I feel like you're giddy. Oh, I'm, I'm so ecstatic. Um, I was so worried, so worried about after, um, after this season, the quarterback position, we had Brock Vandegrift possibly coming in and taking the job as a true freshman. But to get a guy who's played on the high level um, and who's played in big games, um, this now gives us two of the top three quarterbacks from that recruiting class on our team. Um, Hopefully we don't mess this one up like we did with Justin Fields. And, you know, J.T. Daniels is a guy who has all the arm talent. 
He has the ability to do it. It's all between the ears for him to, to continue to build on his freshman year. He's going to have a year off, a year to ingrate himself into the system, which I love. Um, and he's going to have an opportunity to really allow the offense to cater to him. And it also allows him to get reps in with guys like George Pickens, who will be there as a junior. Oh, my God. I can only imagine him as a <laughs> but, um, and, and give him opportunity. You know, and, and I think the offensive line is going to be better with him. Uh, to give, so he'll have that over the, what he had at USC. I just think it's a great fit for him. It shocked, I think, all of college football when he decided to go to Georgia. But it fits. It makes sense. And I think he's going to be walking into probably one of the best positions possible for any quarterback in the country come 2021. Nick, your thoughts on uh, JT Daniels? We talked a little bit th- about this on the ITLCFF pod, but uh, you know, uh, don't know if he's going to be eligible this year. Probably not. But got to be excited as a Georgia fan. Yeah, and I mentioned it when we talked about it uh, yesterday that that I don't entirely understand why that he's uh, not eligible or you know not uh, not immediately eligible because he did only play in one game last year. I would think that would count. It's a red shirt. I, I just I don't know. I don't always know how all the the rules shake out. But regardless, Jamie Newman is there, so uh, Georgia uh, seemingly the the position is in good hands for 2020. And then JT Daniels is is certainly. Uh, very talented, and, and uh, he was talented enough to start week one as a true freshman. Uh, numbers weren't spectacular. I mean, uh, a shade under 60% completion rate, average 7.4 yards per attempt, 14 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and, and had uh, you know four different uh, multi-interception games. So, you know, a, a little rough around the, the edges as a, as a uh, true freshman, but – uh, talented enough to, to start at a, a college football, you know, traditional powerhouse and, and uh, in a power five league. And, and so uh, that on top of the, the five star track record, I think uh, certainly, uh, you know, uh, it's better to have that than, yeah. than uh, no track record or, or somebody that, that uh, you know, has no, no history on the field. So I think it's certainly uh, if you're Georgia, you're, you're very happy to have a, a transition plan in place. And, and Xavier brought up a great point about uh, the highly touted, uh, still in high school, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Vandergriff, uh, sort of is the, the quarterback of the future. Um, this would, you know, help bridge that because uh, there's a little bit of, you know, a, a lot of unknowns, we should say. I mean, Stetson yeah. Bennett, we haven't seen very much of. Uh, Carson Beck, the incoming true freshman this year. Um, you know, is, is a four-star guy, but, but, uh, not necessarily somebody that, um, comes in with the buzz of a, a JT Daniels or, or even a Vandergriff who I don't follow recruiting and I mm-hmm. know his name. So, uh, that, that makes me think he's probably pretty good, but, uh, yeah, I, I think certainly, um, if you're Georgia, two solid quarterbacks are better than one. If Daniels is able to, to become eligible somehow, uh, certainly nice to have, you know, that competition or, or that backup option. And, and uh, at worst, uh, pretty, you know, pretty good option to, to have on deck in 2021. And uh, another one of your favorite teams, Hawaii, added Rico yeah. Busey from North Texas, who is a highly experienced wide receiver who should drop right in as long as Todd Graham start, uh, you know, like we we mentioned this on the CFF pod and on this pod a couple times where, you know, we don't expect Steve Adazio to come in and 
run uh, McElroy 600 times because that's what he did with AJ Dillon. They're not the same player. You got to play to your strengths. So we know that Hawaii has been a passing team for the past however long since Colt Brennan. Um, so uh, they're going to pass the ball a bunch this year. And Cordero added a great target here in Rico Busey. And uh, I know you're excited about it, Nick. I think so. I, I think that this potentially is the biggest instant impact player that we've talked about as a grad transfer. And, and that might sound hyperbolic, but I, I think it's true. I think Hawaii uh, was pretty weak at the receiver position coming in, at least from an experience standpoint and, and on paper from a uh, you know recruiting rating, pure talent standpoint. Jared Smart's really the only receiver that we knew very much about, and, and he certainly showed flashes. But Rico Busey, somebody that, uh, you know, 6'2", 200 pounds in that range. He's, of course, coming off a, a serious injury that cost him most of what should have been his senior year last year. But as a junior in, in 2018, he went for over a 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, and, you know, had Mason Fine uh, there orchestrating the the offense. And, and of course, Fine uh, now out of eligibility, Busey looking around, thinking of uh, maybe a better option. Uh, there's certainly worse places to play than Hawaii, and, and uh, Chevin Cordero is a pretty promising quarterback prospect as well, has, has shown some good things, pushed Cole McDonald uh, at, at different times, and Cole McDonald's somebody that left early and, and got drafted. So that that shows you that uh, he's probably, you know, pretty, pretty talented. So uh, Busey, I think, is going to step in, become an immediate uh, contributor and and if he's healthy, you know, as is always the case, if if he's healthy, I think that uh, you know a thousand yard season is not out of the realm of possibility. So I think he certainly has an opportunity to have a, 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 as big an impact as we will see from a grad transfer in 2020, especially at the the G5 level. Uh, and Xavier Rico Busey, uh, I'm I'm pretty excited to see him at Hawaii. Uh, I think he can definitely improve his draft stock. He's coming off an injury. What do you remember what it was, Nick? Was it a collarbone last year? I uh, think I will check the CFB Winning Edge FBS team profiles oh. real quick here. And take a, but while you're looking at that, what are your thoughts on Rico Busey uh, in <laughs> I mean, Hawaii? I think- this is going to be – I think this is great for him. I think Nick is absolutely right. He's going to be one of the best, if not the best grad transfer and instant impact guy in college football next year. This is a guy that before his injury had 1,000 yards on 68 receptions. And you can only imagine us being probably wide receiver one for Hawaii next season. He's going to blow those stats out of the water. Um, this is a guy who has not – has just gotten better every single year in college at a North Texas program that offensively isn't known for the same as Hawaii. I mean, I expect him to go right in, and he's going to boost his draft stock, I think, tremendously. This is a guy that we should continue to keep an eye on. You know, Nick will probably do it anyways. He loves Hawaii, uh, that we keep an eye on throughout the season because uh, I think he's going to don't, – don't be surprised if he's one of those guys who explodes throughout the year and then has a good combine, and then you're hearing him late first round, early second round towards the draft, and you're like, who is this guy? If you follow him all season, you won't have to ask yourself that question. That's right. So I think, That's right. Yeah, I think it's a guy you guys should definitely follow going into the year. Yeah, yeah. Did did we uh, did we find out what it was, Nick? Was it a collarbone for Rico? I've I've failed I failed you all. I I didn't have it listed. I just had I just had an injury. I just had injury and out for 2019 season-ending knee injury, according knee to injury. Uh, Brett okay. Vito, staff writer who follows North Texas there for the Denton record chronicle so thank you i know i was looking uh, at a Brett couple Vito. 
uh, a couple of players the other day, and one of them was a collarbone, one of them was a knee, and that, yeah, he that, tore that's, that's what I I messed up. Uh, now this is interesting. Uh, Fabian Lovett and uh, Jerrion Jones, who uh, <laughs> transferred, yeah, from Mississippi State. <laughs> we thought they were headed to Ole Miss, but instead, now it looks like they are going to go uh, to Florida State. Lovett originally uh, committed to the Seminoles in April, and now officially signed with FSU. Jones announced uh, his commitment uh, to the Knolls on Monday. So these guys look like they were going to Ole Miss to kind of, you know, stoke the flames of that rivalry a little bit, and now they end up at Florida State. Yeah, and and you know, like we like we said when they transferred, and then when they said they were going to Ole Miss, I think that both of them, <laughs> uh, I would speculate that they will probably be eligible in 2020. Uh, Love it is somebody that played a lot at Mississippi state uh, probably is, you know, the Florida state defensive line is, is uh, a lot more talented. So he might not be a day one starter, but he's somebody that's certainly going to be in the rotation I would expect. And then uh, they're really talented in the secondary as well, but Jerry and Jones, uh, you know, flashed at times uh, and some limited opportunities last year. So I would expect that he will, uh, be a contributor in, in 2020 if he's eligible and and then uh, be in line to push for a starting spot in 2021. Xavier, your thoughts on these transfers? It was a little weird. Um, as Saturday Down South, an article written by Saturday Down South kind of alluded to, Lane Kiffin hired both the former Mississippi State cornerback coach and defensive line coach um, from last season. So if they had have transferred to Ole Miss, they would have been playing for the same coaches that they did at Mississippi State. Um, so I made it even seem like it was more of a viable option than originally thought. But I, I mean, hey, maybe they were drinking the water in Tallahassee. Maybe Mike Norvell got him to come down there. And maybe okay. they did hear the rumblings about going to Ole Miss and it stoking the flames of the rivalry. They were like, yeah, we don't want to be we in don't that. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, let's you just know, go you to Florida the, State, right? You don't want the state of Mississippi on your back. That's not a state you really want on your back. So you're like, okay, we're going to Florida. I, I, I don't blame you. I don't blame yeah. you. Yeah, and I wasn't uh, I wasn't too surprised either uh, that they would just want to, you know, uh, get a get a fresh start, get out of SEC, go play in the AAC with uh, or ACC, excuse me, with uh, the Seminoles. So it made sense to me. Uh, the other good news here, I'm gonna burn through the rest of this, and then we can talk about it um, as we want here. Former Wisconsin running back Bradrick Shaw announced that he would transfer to Cal. He will provide depth, but he's probably going to be behind Christopher Brown, who's been the star there for a little bit. Uh, former five-star running back recruit Lorenzo Lingard, who transferred from Miami to Florida, has been granted a waiver and is going to be eligible, probably going to be in the mix like they usually do at Florida, though. Um, offensive lineman Zach Robertson, who started 17 games at Arizona State, announced he is going to transfer to Louisiana Lafayette, reconnecting with ASU OC Billy Napier. Uh, he sat out the 29th season for personal reasons, so good to see him back out there on the field. Uh, Georgia Tech defensive lineman uh, Kelton Dawson will transfer. He started seven games for the Yellow Jackets last season, so he is in the portal. This one was big. Alabama wide receiver uh, Tyrell Shavers uh, is going to pursue a graduate transfer, so he could get uh, some significant playing time somewhere else. And LSU announced that it will host um, in-state FCS programs, Southern and Grambling State, in 2022 and 2023. So uh, getting, um, you know, obviously you like some in-state rivalries, but also adding to that SEC uh, cupcake 
non-conference schedule that they always have, Nick. So uh, the rest of the transfer news and things like that. I mean, Lingard, to me, uh, I hope he can take over at Florida, but I just don't expect it to happen. I th- I think he's got a, a shot. I mean, I, I bumped him to the top of their depth chart in our, our team profiles, but uh, still sort of split him as the starter with uh, Davis and uh, who, who's the – Who's the other guy there? Pierce, I'm Damian a, Pierce yeah, and Malik Pierce. Davis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think at first, at least, we're we're going to probably see a, maybe a three-headed committee to, to start. But Lingard is is a high enough, you know, elite talent. Was considered an elite talent coming out of high school, a, a five-star player. Uh, there are only thirty or thirty-two of those every year, and and so and and at the running back position, there's only one or two. So I mean, this guy is considered one of the best players in all of college football uh, in his class. And, and, you know, you have to think that somebody like that is going to have an opportunity to uh, come in and, and make an immediate impact. And, and uh, Davis and Pierce played a little bit, but uh, LaMichael P. Ryan was the main guy last year, played well enough to, to get himself drafted. Uh, Florida relied on the passing game quite a bit last year, more than most Dan Mullen teams do. I, I sort of expect them to, uh, shift a little bit. Uh, we haven't talked too in depth about Kyle Trask. I'm I'm a little, I think, uh, bearish on Kyle Trask compared to most. I, I think some of his box score statistics are, are a little bit misleading, but we can get into that another time. But, you know, I, I think Lingard certainly is talented enough to go in and, and uh, become the guy for Florida. But fortunately for them, he, he doesn't have to. They've got uh, some talent at that position and, and should be able to rotate carries if they choose to do so. So uh, that's good news. And, and uh, the, you know, a couple of these I, I do think are interesting. Robertson uh, was somebody that they expected to, to retain that starting spot at Arizona state last year. He ended up not playing Louisiana uh, produced some, you know, a couple of draft, a couple of guys got drafted, right. And, and all American last year on the offensive line. So uh, certainly an opportunity uh, to go in and, and uh, you know, play and, and pave the way for what's also a really talented uh, set of running backs there for, for the Raging Cajuns. Uh, the Kelton Dawson from, from Georgia Tech one was uh, a bit of a surprise. He, he was a starter by our standards. I mean, we, we count somebody as a returning starter if they uh, played in 51% or more of, of last year's games or started, excuse me, uh, 51% or more, and, and he hit that with his seven starts. He might have lost – his spot at, at defensive end because they do uh, Georgia Tech has uh, brought in a, a transfer from Florida, very highly talented, or, you know, very highly rated player uh, was probably going to push Dawson, Dawson for playing time. There've been some whispers that maybe there were some academic issues involved, but Dawson came out and, and sort of quashed those pretty, uh, pretty quickly to, to say that that is, that's not an issue. So uh, he's somebody I, I would expect, you know, if he drops down, especially to a, a G5 uh, program, he's somebody that, probably will play a lot of football uh, in 2020 if he's, if he's on the field. Uh, Shavers is, is uh, particularly interesting. He's six, six and over 200 pounds. He, he uh, has one career rushing attempt and one career reception. Uh, so somebody that came in, you know, uh, with a, a frame that got a lot of people very excited and then, you know, was rated, 
really highly, almost a 96th rated player, according to 247 Sports. So I believe... Hard to beat out those guys at Bama. <laughs> right. And and they kept recruiting him. And, and, right. Uh, so, you know, he just wasn't able to establish himself, unfortunately. But we've seen some Alabama players uh, at the receiver position transfer elsewhere. And, and uh, the name escapes me right now. But I remember one ended up, I believe his last name was Black, at, at uh, Missouri and popped up and, and had a really, really solid year. And, you know, uh, Alabama players... You get recruited to go to Alabama, uh, and you're rated that highly. Chances are you've got a lot of talent, you've got a lot of potential, and sometimes it doesn't work out because everybody else at Alabama is really, really good too. So sometimes you just need to change the scenery. And somebody that's six six, almost two hundred pounds, and, and has a lot of raw talent. Uh, I'm over two hundred pounds, but I don't have raw <laughs> talent, and I'm not six six. <laughs> but but if if Alabama you know saw saw enough into you know in you to to say uh, yeah. come play football for us, but you know uh, somebody else is probably going to uh, think you're you're good enough to do that. So, and he's played in twenty seven games. You know, played yeah. games lined up at certain you know different different spots. Just didn't get the football much. But hopefully, he finds a change of scenery and, and a better opportunity for playing time because. Uh, sometimes that's that's all you need, and, and hopefully it clicks for him wherever he ends up. Xavier, your thoughts on the good news here. I did see you smirk a little bit when uh, Nick was talking about Kyle Trask. So uh, he's not even on the list, but we are talking about Florida and getting Lingard. So uh, your thoughts about Lingard going to Florida and then maybe some underlying thoughts about oh. Kyle Trask. <laughs> I think you shouldn't have even brought it up. Well, well first and foremost – as a running, I've always thought it was weird that running backs want to go to Florida. Uh, this is a team that doesn't really run the football all that much. Um, we look at carries last year. Michael P. Ryan was their leading carry uh, carrier, and he only had 132 attempts on 676 yards. Drafted, they, they, got drafted. That's fair enough. <laughs> um, I will say they did kind of run by committee last year a little bit. Damian Pierce, 54 carries. So about, uh, you know, a fourth of what LaMichael P. Ryan got for 305 yards. So, you know, and Emory Jones was even given 42 carries last year, but he's the quarterback. But so it's an opportunity for him to definitely get touches. I think he's going to get touches if he, even if he does not win the starting spot. Um, so that is probably a uh, definitely was a draw to him and definitely a, an opportunity for him to, to take that starting role throughout the year, as it does look like they go by running back by committee. Um, when you look at some of the other things, um, as far as the offensive lineman, I hate that he's coming to Louisiana Lafayette. They're already so good offensively. Uh, they don't need any more help offensively. They're already so explosive. But you're right. They did get guys into the NFL last year. It's going to be an opportunity for him uh, to, you know, rekindle the relationship that he had with his old OC. And it's familiar territory. I think that that might be one of the biggest reasons as to why he decided to go down there on top of the explosive offense that they already have. Hey, Kelton Dawson, you're leaving Georgia Tech. You want to come to Georgia State? We need help on defensive <laughs> line, bro. Come on down. We play in the same state. You don't even have to leave you keep your the, apartment. Keep the same apartment. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to break a lease. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> right down there, we play at Turner Field. It's a nice place, great facilities. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Uh, it'd be a nice place. Yeah. Um, Tyro Shavers leaving Alabama. The first school that, when I looked up uh, where his possible destinations were, was Baylor. Has a lot of uh, has had experience in the past taking former uh, SEC guys and turning them into pretty decent receivers. Um, he's a guy who I think could end up if he does have an explosive year, one of those later round guys. You said he's yeah. six six, two hundred plus pounds. That's a guy that the NFL looks at, and at the very least, is like we have to take a flyer out on you. So that's not frame, yeah, right, just exactly. frame, yeah. We can, a, him a, we can keep him a receiver. You know, we can do things with you at um, 
in the NFL. So definitely that. Um, and then last but not least, I'm so excited and I and much to Scott's chagrin about LSU playing Southern and Grambling State. They, these are two schools that I grew up loving. Um, so you want to watch them get beat by 50? Come on. I'd rather watch. Okay, right. let's play. Their bands will make up for it. <laughs> Yeah, rather true. than them playing like very Troy true. or I don't know anybody else, it, it gives them an opportunity to play on a big stage. Their bands get an opportunity, very and true. hey, it's like the Bayou Classic gets a little bit cooler because now both schools are going to compare which one lost the worst to the <laughs> other. So you know, it, it, it's it is cupcake. You're absolutely right, Scott. But at the same okay. time, it's it's a fair cupcake. It's fair. It's fair. It's yeah. in state. I like it. I like it. I never said it wouldn't yeah. be fun, right? I, like it, it's. It's fun. It's a great environment, especially in-state rivals uh, or right. in-state in schools. Always fun. But, you know, it, it's people already complain about, you know, in the middle of the season when you know, Texas Texas down. played LSU. That was that was fun. You know, LSU versus scrambling, not as much fun. So and we'll see who wins that Texas LSU. game. I, I will say <laughs> I will yeah. say and I should have I should have mentioned this. Uh, earlier, the reason I brought this one up because usually, you know, the uh, uh, SEC team schedules an FCS team, it, it doesn't uh, make a uh, you know much of a ripple. But this one, I think, brought a, a particularly uh, sort of shined a light on one. Of course, these are two historic, uh, historically black colleges and universities mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. legendary programs from the, from that perspective. But also, LSU does a really really good job of lifting up in-state FCS programs. So they they play an FCS program, I believe now, uh, every year between now and, and 2023 or, or whenever. They get a lot of money for is. that, especially when they're traveling. Right, so. right. And and so that, you know, that helps these uh, programs at, at a lower level uh, pay the bills. And, and that's something that's going to be more and more important, I think, you know, in, in 2021, 22, as we're moving forward. So uh, I wanted to, to mention that. But also there are other situations like, you know, in the their own division, even Arkansas refuses to play Arkansas State. Alabama does not. Arkansas you know, could beat schedule. by Arkansas State. They probably would. Probably, yeah, that's why they <laughs> but, would refuse. I would refuse too. But uh, Alabama doesn't play in state. Uh, they, I, uh, I don't know the last time they played Troy or, or UAB or uh, you know Auburn plays Alabama A and M. Alabama State. Uh, they played Samford. Alabama or excuse me, Auburn plays those Alabama. Doesn't so I, I do think it's a good sign. We know now FCS games by games are part of the deal, and, and eventually maybe they'll uh, you know go out of out of practice for for whatever reason. But for now, it, it's part of the cost of doing business as a college football fan. And if you're going to do it, I think uh, you know scheduling an in-state school, giving that program uh, a boost from a monetary standpoint and then lifting up some of these programs that have such a rich history. Uh, in addition, I, I think yeah, it's get them on a TV. great move. Sure. You, you, you guys are absolutely right about that. I just, uh, you know, I, I, I like Alabama put Arizona on the schedule uh, for uh, it's for a while from now. Like, like we mentioned, I think it's the, isn't it in the thirties? Something. Uh, like yeah. So it's just like, but, but we already know Alabama is going to be favored by 48. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm going to love it because I, you, you bet your ass. I'm going to be driving down to Tucson to watch Bama stomp all over the Wildcats. That'll be fun. You never know though. I mean, Georgia state got paid to go in and 
beat that ass at Tennessee last year. <laughs> so uh, that was that was fun to watch. But uh, I don't even think I mentioned. I'm knocking over my sodas here. I don't even uh, think I mentioned what we're doing at the top uh, at the top of the show though, because we just dove right in. But today we're going to be drafting the offensive All American team. So we each get a team, and I'm going to let Nick explain the rules and. You tell me the draft order. I think I went first last time, so maybe Xavier goes first or you go first. This time, I don't remember how it worked, but it doesn't make any difference to me. But, Nick, explain the rules, and then we're going to be drafting the offensive side this week, and we're going to be doing the defensive side next week for the All-American team in, in our eyes. Yeah, and, and if you've been with us the last few weeks, we, we went through all the Power Five conferences and, and did our preseason all-conference teams, and, and there really were no restrictions. I mean, we, we uh, listed the team who was the highest-rated uh, player according to our BGR Plus individual player ratings, uh, but then we each, the three of us, picked uh, teams as well as to who we would uh, put on an all-conference team. And, and though even, even though there are more players to choose from when it comes to an All-American team. Uh, for some reason, I was a little bit uh, hesitant for us to just pick what probably would have been basically the same players. <laughs> I mean, I right, think there would have been right. some discussion at some positions, yeah. but uh, I think for the most part, you know, this adds a little bit of an extra layer to it where we're coming up with our own teams. We can only choose one player. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, what positions get picked first and, and things like that. And I tried to come up with a scoring system. Uh, I think it's good. I'm certainly open to suggestions if you guys disagree here, but I thought we would go with one point for each player who is selected to the, uh, 2020 quote unquote college football all America team, which is 14 different organizations. So the Associated Press, Football Writers Association of America, AFCA, the American Football Coaches, uh, so uh, whatever the A is, uh, and other media outlets like Athlon Sports, the Athletic, whatever. There are 14 different ones who are designated as part of this college football all America team. But then uh, one additional point uh, for anybody who's a consensus all American. So there are five outlets that are considered, you know, if, if you're on three of these five, and this is, you know, so historically based, uh, some of these aren't as, as relevant maybe right now, but uh, the Associated Press, the AFCA, the FWAA, the Sporting News, and WCFF are the five. If you get three of those, uh, then you're a consensus All-American, and so that gets you an extra point. And then finally, all five of those, if they choose you as an All-American, uh, you get uh, one other point. So uh, the uh, possibility each player could get up to three points. Uh, if they're on our list, we'll keep track of this and, and take a look in December when we get the uh, College Football All-America team uh, finalized. But uh, just sort of for example, you know, Joe Burrow last year, uh, probably none of us would have picked him <laughs> but uh had me uh he would have been worth he would have been worth three points he was a unanimous yeah. all-american cd lamb wide receiver at, at oklahoma uh was uh, only worth two points he was a consensus all-american but he was not unanimous uh jerry judy who probably would have been an early round pick because he was the reigning belitnikoff winner and and all of that uh made his way onto one uh, of these designated all-american teams he was on the afca uh, first team. We're only talking first teams here. Uh, so he got one point. So just sort of to, to help clear that up. Are, I thought are we that giving might be bonuses a, for like Heisman or? Uh, I thought about that. We certainly can. We certainly can. 
Uh, I think maybe five for the Heisman and three for everything else. Ooh, now that's going to be like an automatic win, though, if you win the Heisman. Yeah. Think, okay, all right. <laughs> think, well, how about maybe three, just... three for the Heisman, one for everything else? All right, all right. So Is that three, good three points for the Heisman winner. Yeah, see, so he then... has to type it in. I'm making a I do, yeah. Uh, this Three. is what I do. See, Let, let's do Five, what Nick does, four. but skew it in in uh, everyone else's four. favor. National award. Got it. All right. So one for the Blitnikoff winner. One for yeah. Okay. Uh, the the Mackey award. Yeah, all those. All right. So Fair enough. If a quarterback wins the Heisman and the Davy O'Brien, does that equal four? Yeah. No. <laughs> See, if they're different, how about that? If the Davy O'Brien's different than the Heisman, but if the Heisman, I don't know. Okay, can... I see. So only one award counts. Only yeah, one award. Let's counts. do that. One okay. award counts. That's fine. That, okay. that that's works. fine. That works. Because you yeah. said you were concerned about the five, so the three makes sense. Okay. Uh, all right. So I don't. Here, here's what uh, I'm. I'm going to show you guys what I did here uh, while we were talking, and here we go. Share this, and then go Ooh, back to fancy. this screen. All right, so we're doing uh, – this is a lottery system. Uh, can you guys see that? I have Nick, uh -huh. Xavier, and Bogman. So I'm going to hit submit, and we'll get our draft order. We'll do reverse for defense tomorrow. At the bottom, start at the bottom, and now that you're still at the bottom, is Xavier, last pick. Uh, two is Bogman, and Nick is very first pick. So right. Nick, Bogman, and then Xavier. So Xavier, you'll be picking first tomorrow. I'm stuck in the middle on both. So – uh, that sounds about right. So I, I, do, I do have my uh, my brand new 2020 Athlon Sports National Preview magazine. You're gonna just read right off of that, Nick? Are you? Uh, for help yeah, from exactly. me. I, I do have my own opinions, but uh, my good friends <laughs> uh, are are going to be helpful as well. But uh, so in our, we've only done this one other time. We did for the first year head coach. Uh, draft, which was probably one of my favorite things we've done so far. So, uh, I know when we did that, I made what might have been a silly number one overall pick, but I thought it had the most value. And I'm going to. I, There's I might more pageantry to this pick than there is in the Rose Bowl <laughs> parade, Nick. I mean, he just got a pick, man. <laughs> I want to explain a little bit. There's a, a, a guaranteed. Three points. This person is going to be a unanimous All-American. Now that you had it, uh, awards, my guy it's too. guaranteed like four points. In a two. God. See, I thought you guys might have thought I was going quarterback first pick. But no, Shul is just no guaranteed. Probably gonna have to get an injury to not win an award and make All American. So hey, I win the Heisman too. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's oh, a great okay. pick. Um, he's not gonna win the Heisman because he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Uh, so I'm gonna have to go that direction. I'm gonna have to go that direction with a player I think is going to be, have the ball in his hands enough to win the Heisman and uh, start out there. So I am. Uh, I'm gonna take Justin Fields. As my oh quarterback, my to, to, sorry, you get back to backs. It's a snake, Javier. I'm sorry, you get back to backs. But uh, uh, Penny Sewell for for Nick, I'm going to go with Justin Fields. I think he's most likely to win the Heisman. The reason I pick him over uh, Trevor Lawrence is because Trevor Lawrence will have to split some of those votes with his teammate. 
um, with his teammate Travis Etienne. So I'm going to go with, uh, I put Justin Lawrence on here, Justin Fields uh, from <laughs> Ohio State. So that is my pick. That uh, we, we have to fill out the roster for our listeners. Right. Uh, so you only get one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, five offensive linemen, and then one all-purpose player. So that can be a Lynn Bowden type. That can be uh, a return man. Uh, we'll, we'll have some flexibility there. But So we're not drafting 10 different quarterbacks. We have to fill right. out our roster just for those following along. All right, Xavier, you get two now. You get so I'm going to take – I'm going to take both running backs off the board right now. Uh-huh. Um, I'm taking I'm taking Travis Etienne and Chuba Hubbard. I think both of these guys are going to get more than enough touches to be All-American consensus guys. I think Etienne gets the, the best team in the ACC vote as well. I think that uh, Chuba Hubbard is maybe the most NFL-ready running back in college football right now with his ability to catch the football out of the backfield. You get his starting quarterback back as well this year. And he was an All-American last year with a backup. This is going to be a fun year for both of them. I think they both easily make the All-American team uh, and might both be consensus, honestly. Uh, All right. Well, I'm going to – God, there's a lot of players I want to take here. I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. Uh, Jamar Chase put his name in – uh, you know, last year with his 20 scores from Joe Burrow, obviously Joe Burrow's gone, but he should be still the main focal point of the offense, especially with them losing Clyde Edwards Hilaire and kind of having the split between Curry and everybody else at running back there, Emery uh, and, and things like that. So I'm going to go with Jamar Chase, a wide receiver out of LSU as my second pick. So you get two picks here, uh, Nick. Snake All, right. All right. I I think at least – uh, one Alabama wide receiver is going to be a unanimous All-American. I'm not sure if it's going to be uh, Devontae Smith or if it's going to be Jalen Waddell, but uh, I, I'm just going to have to go ahead and, and pick both of them. Uh, uh-huh. So I think, uh-huh. <laughs> I think uh, you know, just uh, hedging my bets a little, and, and who knows, maybe, maybe they both uh, end up with uh, first-round type uh, seasons we've seen that before. So uh, Devonte Smith, Jalen Waddle, and, and hey, Waddle may might uh, take down that all-purpose even if he doesn't uh, put up huge receiver numbers, which I think he probably will anyway. But both Alabama wide receivers, I think I, I feel pretty good about them. I'm gonna go back to the wide receiver well uh, as well. Oh my god, I'm, god, stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you had your picks. You went both running back. <laughs> I'm gonna take Rondell Moore from Purdue. Ah. The, uh, I mean, Rondell Moore had a hundred receptions as a true freshman. Uh, he is going to be uh, paired up with David Bell this year as well. So should get a lot of uh, one-on-one coverage and he's multi-purpose. They use him out of the backfield. He runs reverses, all kinds of trick special plays and, and that's and special teams. And that helps around the goal line. So Rondell Moore for me, Xavier, you got two now though. So no complaint. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the tight end off the board right now. I'm, I'm Kyle uh, Pitts. Ah, oh, that's that's. Yeah. You know what? I almost did that, and that's yeah. just a direct shot at, at me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, this guy is going to get the touches. Florida lost. I think almost all of their starting wide receivers last year, except for one. Um, this is going to be Kyle Trask's best friend all year. He's a matchup nightmare for anybody in the SEC. Um, and throughout the country. And um, if Nick is right about Kyle Trask, then he's going to be getting the ball in his chest a lot more than above his head. Um, so I, I, I love Kyle Pitts. I think he's going to be a guy who 
he might go for a thousand yards this year, uh, honestly, um, with the amount of talent that they lost at the receiver position last year. Uh, and I'm going to have to go receivers because uh, you guys just, you know, want to take everybody. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be a homer here. I'm going to go with George Pickens. I think year two, he explodes. I think last year we saw in the bowl game, we saw the ability that he has. I think now with being the number one option, not having to share that with Lawrence Cager is going to give him that ability uh, to really explode. Georgia doesn't have a really great receiving core right now. Um, and uh, Jamie Newman made Surratt and uh, Washington both a thousand yard receivers by week nine last year. I think that, you know, if you had had them throughout the rest of the year, uh, both of them uh, falling due to injury. They would have both been 12 to 1300 yard receivers. I think Pickens is better than both of them. I think he goes for an absolutely ridiculous year and uh, blows the, the roof off of uh, Sanford stadium on a regular basis. So George Pickens is my next guy. Uh, I'm going to the offensive lineman and I know uh, Sewell just easily the number one yeah. off the board as he probably could be for the NFL draft, depending on who is there, of course, if they need a quarterback or not. But I'm going to go. I'm going to homer out as well. Give me Sam Cosme uh, from Texas play playing tackle. Uh, by the way, is that your fifth fifth hour energy, Xavier? You are going to be <laughs> wired, drinking, man. I've just been drinking the same bottle the whole time. Same one the whole time. Okay, good, good. Not a sponsor. Also, not a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely not a sponsor. But uh, – <laughs> I was like, oh, man, he's going to start jittery. He's going to be jittery here pretty soon. But Sam Cosme, the tackle from Texas, might play on the interior at the next level. But uh, playing tackle for Texas right now. So, Nick, you're up for two. Well, I guess if you guys don't want him, uh, I might as well take the current Heisman Trophy favorite, uh, Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> quarterback at Clemson. <laughs> uh, feel feel pretty good about that in, in the fourth round. Uh, so, <laughs> like, like that. And then I think, let me, let me just double check here, uh, Stop. that <laughs> the, uh, the center position is, is usually <clears throat> pretty, pretty straightforward. So I, I think that, you know, maybe not as cut and dry as, as Penny Sewell, but I think the general consensus is that Creed Humphrey from, uh, Oklahoma is the, the best center in college football. So uh, I think that I got a pretty good shot at a national award winner with that one. I mean, Great that, pick, Nick. It, yeah, it's a good pick, but I can't take the sooner. No. <laughs> that, that honestly was my thought, but I was like, well, cost me selling the board. I can't be taking. I know I already didn't take Ellinger. We don't get two quarterbacks. So uh, I didn't take him. So I took Justin Fields. I just think he's more likely to win the Heisman, of course. Um, for me, I'm going to go back to the offensive line. I'm going to take Alex Weatherwood, uh, Alex Weatherwood uh, out of um, uh, Leatherwood, out of Alabama, um, and, and out of my mouth also. So Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle out of Bama. I mean, plowing the road for uh, those amazing five-star running backs that they have. Uh, you know, protecting uh, Mac Jones. It looks like right now, uh, and. Uh, that offense just being as explosive as they are and recruiting all those wide receivers. I mean, there's a video of the wide receivers taking practice today and it was, uh, it was fun to watch boys. Uh, I don't know if you saw it yet, but it was really, really good. So Alex Leatherwood from Alabama for my pick. Xavier all right. for two. Um, I'm actually going to go out a little weird here. I'm going to go with my all purpose guy already. And I'm going to put two, two at will at my all purpose. Mm. Uh, That's another shot. Right. Right. right there. Mm -hmm. One of my yeah. favorites. Oh man. Yeah. I, I think this, 
I mean, one of the most, if not one, the most explosive player in college football, I think right next to maybe a Devontae Smith or uh, Jalen Waddle. This kid, he's going to get the touches. That's most important for me, or who's going to get the most touches. He's a part of a, a Louisville team that's going to be better than they were last year. And uh, they weren't even all that great last year, and he still had an epic season. Um, he's going into his junior year with his draft stock firmly as probably a mid-round guy, a mid-first rounder. I First round earlier first round so i think this is an opportunity for him to do that he's gonna have a really good year um i'm gonna stay in the receiver position because i'm gonna also then take rashad bateman out of minnesota ah, yeah I, I gotta get my receivers out of there um this tanner morgan's back rashad bateman is going to be the focal point of that offense he was in a thousand yard receiver last year even sharing uh the touches and i think he's gonna be by being the focal point of that offense it's going to be one explosive player. Um, he's another one of those guys. He might be the best route runner in college football. He's one of my favorite guys uh, to watch towards the back half of last year once we kind of learned Minnesota wasn't as fraudulent as we originally thought. Maybe I just thought that. Um, <laughs> I, and, uh, and I think that he's going to have an explosive season. I think we can see a recurring theme with these receivers is that these are guys who were productive at a really, really high level last year. And I think we uh, coming into this season, uh, into 2020. So, Rashad Bateman and Tutu. Ah, your mic is cutting in and out. No! <laughs> <laughs> no! Yeah, I mean, I can see you fine. So, it seems like maybe just the wire is, is mm -hmm. messed up or something. But, but you're uh, pro no, Bateman. I, I, you're, yeah. you're pro Bateman? Not... Yeah, yeah, he's taking oh. <laughs> Bateman. So, uh, he's got, uh, so far, his team is Etienne, Chuba Hubbard, George Pickens, Rashad Bateman, <laughs> Uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Pitts and Tutu Atwell. So uh, I am up now. I'm going to go uh, back to the offensive line. And uh, I think he's probably, I can't remember. He is playing tackle, right, uh, for um, Tennessee right now. But Trey Smith mm. Uh, mm. seems like a guy that yeah, a lot of evaluators are going to move to the inside. So I'm going to take Trey Smith. I mean, uh, everybody knows if Tennessee wins anything, uh, all the national outlets want to throw awards at them. So seven games. Let's, let's go, Trey <laughs> Smith. Let's get over five hundred. Can't believe I'm rooting for the fake UT. <laughs> That's a good pick. I, I thought about Trey Smith a lot earlier, but uh, I, I think when I was going wide receiver, I was, I was thinking about that. So, so Xavier took my next pick. I, I wanted Rashad Bateman. I think that uh, he certainly has a chance to to be the number one receiver in college football this year, but uh, a guy that was sort of trending that way last year before uh, suffered a, a major injury, Tylen Wallace at Oklahoma state uh, had a, you know, was the nation's leading receiver before he went down with that season ending injury. So I think he certainly has an opportunity to emerge as, as uh, one of those uh, excellent, excellent players, maybe, maybe even an award winner if everything clicks. And then I'm a, I'm, I'm a little torn. I'm not 100% sure where I want to go, but I know that offensive line is, uh, you know, a, a difficult position to evaluate, but Ohio State seems like it's got one of the best in college football. No. And uh, Wyatt Davis at, at the guard <laughs> position uh, is, is certainly one of the better interior linemen in, in the country. So I think he's a, a pretty good option there uh, for me at, at uh, the offensive line.
All right. Well, now that Wyatt Davis is gone, thank you, Nick. Uh, I'm going to take Najee Harris, the running back out of Alabama. I mean, look, if you're looking for awards and you're looking for all America and all that stuff, you just can't really beat Alabama on too many fronts. So give me Najee Harris. Uh, so I only need one more. Nick still needs his two. So he's probably just going to wait on those. And Xavier, you are up for two more picks here. Yeah. Uh, uh oh, you're cutting in and out. Guys, let's go. There you go. There you go. Nope, you muted yourself that time. It says mute on your thing. There it goes. Mute the at there we go. Um, I'm very afraid of my offensive line right now. I think you guys kind of have that all wiped, racked up. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid there. Yeah, you don't um, have one lineman yet. Yeah, yeah. So so we're going to go with two offensive linemen. Okay. Um, we're going to go with uh, Cole Van Lanen out of Wisconsin. I think this is a guy who is due in for an amazing year. Like I said, he took a step back in 2019. Uh, but I think once like one more Wisconsin product, I think if Wisconsin can have another, you know, almost 2000 yard rusher and it not be Jonathan Taylor, I think that says more about the offensive line this year. So I think they'll get the plotters that they definitely need to at the tackle position. I think I am more than happy to have him there and I'm going to go interior. And I was a little hesitant about putting this guy here because they don't get many plotters over there at air force, but I think Nolan Laufenberg is a guy who definitely deserves to get the plotters. I think that him being on lists make make, people's eyes go towards air force he's a guy that people are going to follow all year and i think he might even be uh i don't know what to call it but uh, a pick that people have to make just simply because he's been so excellent at air force and air force doesn't get the products that they normally get i think this is an opportunity for them to kind of give like a little not a pity award but like air force you deserve this one you really do deserve this because you're playing for air force i think he might get in there and slide into at least one or two publications if not possibly a consensus all-american at the guard position yeah that's uh i mean those are two strong picks uh for me uh back to me now Ugh. um let's see Enjoy. I, I, yeah i think i'm gonna go with yeah i'm gonna go with jimmy morrissey you know i, I do like nick's stance on getting centers so I'm going to take the big center out of Pitt. Uh, if Pitt has any modicum of success, uh, he <laughs> should be pretty strong there. So I'm going to go with Jimmy Morrissey as my center. So, Nick, back to you for two. All right. So I'm, I'm going to rely a little on my uh, newfound uh, college fantasy football knowledge and go with a couple of uh, G5 running backs who are early, early first-round picks. Uh, we have an opportunity to put up huge numbers. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell at uh, Memphis uh, hopped onto the, the national scene last year, saw a profile of him in, uh, at ESPN College Game Day when they went to Memphis. Uh, is somebody that catches the football very, very well. Uh, the, the new head coach, of course, there, but the system is in place. He's somebody they promoted from within, so I think they'll use Gainwell uh, in a very, very similar manner and, and possibly even – uh, have him set up to, to carry a, a bigger load as a third-year sophomore. And then going to the MAC, Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo is probably going to, uh, you know, he, he he's in danger of sharing carries a little bit. Kevin Marks is a quality uh, number two running back, but Buffalo is going to lean on both of those guys and he's going to finish strong because he's going to be playing a max schedule at the end of the season. So expect Jarrett Patterson to, to maybe 
make a run toward 2,000 yards and everything clicks well. And, and if uh, Buffalo does, in fact, if uh, the coaching staff there decides to lean on him that heavily, uh, he certainly uh, has the potential to do it. So I think uh, two maybe under the radar guys, but maybe they'll slide into an all-purpose position for Gainwell or just put up unbelievable video game numbers, Patterson, to sneak on some uh, All-American lists once once the season's over and done with. I'm going to go back to the wide receiver pool to get my last one here. I'm going to take Sage Surratt out of uh, Wake Forest as my very final wide receiver that I need. I think that's a pretty strong pick considering uh, I believe he was all-conference already last year. Chase, Moore, and Surratt, I'm liking my wide receiver core a ton. So back to Xavier for two more picks here. Yeah, so now I'm going to finally pick up a center. Um, I think Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. This is a guy who didn't get as much plot, uh, as much credit last year for an Iowa team that stuck in games that was really hard to beat. I think Iowa's going to be better than what they were last year, um, and I think he's going to get the, the the due diligence that he needs to at, uh, at Iowa. This is a team that doesn't get a lot of credit offensively because they're quite boring, but at the same time, they're really solid up front. Pretty much every year, um, this is a guy who didn't allow a pressure in his last four games last season, and I think he's going to just increase on that uh, going into next year. And I think I'm good at the wide receiver position. You guys can't pick any, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, cool. So I'm just going to hold off on that pick. I'm going to wait for the end. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go back to the offensive line, and this time I'm going to pick up a guy from a team that we t- uh, talked about earlier. In oh my goodness, this is terrible. Uh, Peter Nestrowitz, Nestrowitz at a Navy. He played, he played left tackle in 2018, moved to right guard in 2019, um, and he was, the fifth, he was the fifth most valuable player in PFF last year uh, at that position. I think this is a guy who is going to get better at being in his second year at the guard position. Uh, Navy is a team that's known for running the football and known for having 1,000-yard rushers over the last couple of years. I think he's going to get an opportunity to show the talent of the offensive line this year. You t- we talked about it earlier. They're playing teams like Notre Dame. So if they can have success against those teams, that's on the national stage. That gives him a better opportunity to definitely get into uh, an All-America type situation. Um, and so I really like the opportunities more so for Navy this year to get that uh, to get him the credit he deserved on the offensive line. Are you going for this all uh, Scrabble offensive line team here that you have? Because <laughs> you've got uh, Van Lannan, Laufenberg, Linderbaum, and Nestrowitz are here offensive line. Not, not taking it easy on yourself from a pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I couldn't get Leatherwood out earlier before, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just avoid all of your linemen, Xavier. Uh, for me, I'm gonna go to the all-purpose player. And uh, you tell me if this is okay, Nick, because I do have a backup. But is Wandell Robinson acceptable as an all-purpose player? He won the Paul, or he was a finalist for the Paul Horning Award last year. So yeah, I don't see why not. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, I just wasn't sure if he was going to be too featured in that offense. So, uh, but I am going. They're moving him to wide receiver from you know he came in as a running back or was recruited Mm -hmm. as a running back at least. Uh, so I'm going to go with Wandell Robinson as my all-purpose player. Sure. So, I mean, plenty Probably of options. Special teams as well. So Right. Right. Yeah. I like it. I like it. One of, again, another one of my favorite players. I like all these guys for the most part. But uh, So uh, I'm, I'm going offensive line. Um, our, our, you know, Xavier uh, mentioned Iowa and, and picked an offensive lineman from Iowa. I think that uh, they have two potential uh, uh, all-American type 
uh, offensive lineman, the tackle Alaric Jackson, uh, was thought of uh, pretty similarly, I think, to Tristan Wirfs this time last year. Both of them very athletic, both very uh, capable of, of uh, helping pave the way for what should be a, a pretty – uh, improved Iowa running game. I think they finally got the running back uh, situation figured out towards the end of last year. And Alaric Jackson uh, has been at uh, right tackle, I believe. I'm not sure if he's going to stay there or switch over to the left side, but certainly an All-American candidate. I think uh, somebody that is uh, certainly very capable and you could you could do worse than picking an Iowa offensive lineman. At, at tight end, this one's a little bit – uh, makes me a little bit nervous because <laughs> new offensive coordinator uh, didn't really use the tight end uh, at his previous stop. Um, Chris Sirocco was too. Uh, it, uh, uh, no, we might no? be thinking of different different okay. people here. All right. okay. uh, so same same quarterback at Penn State, uh, oh. Pat Fryermuth. Oh, okay, uh, has been very uh, pretty vocal the last few. Months usually I don't you know read into this sort of thing, but he's he's let it be put on paper that he's saying he wants to be the best tight end in college football, wants to win the Mackey Award. Uh, so I feel pretty good about him as an option, and I'm hoping Kurt Soroka, even though at Minnesota didn't really use the tight end uh, much in the passing game, I, I think he's going to uh, find ways to get Fryermuth the football. Uh, so that will be, uh, that's my second pick, right? I can't pick three. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> was, I was stuck um, at, at tight end. I mean, I know, I know who I'm going to take now, but I mean, I don't have to do it because neither one of you uh, can, can take a tight end at this point, but I'm going to do this uh, just, just in case he wins uh, to know that I got the Georgia guy. <laughs> uh, and Trey Hill. So uh, I'm going to take him as my last offensive lineman out of Georgia. Just so if, if he wins uh, any award or is all American or anything I like, like that, you. I get to hold it over both the Georgia guys. <laughs> Don't I like you. Him. So uh, that, that's my pick. So two more for Xavier now. <laughs> I don't like you for that pick. That's that's just unfair. That's like if I took cost me to start off. It's yeah. just not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to go with a guy that this is just a guy I kind of in a team I fell in love with down the stretch last year. I'm going to take Darian Kennard out of Kentucky. Uh, this is a team that we all know the story about Lynn Bowden, and we know about them losing every quarterback possible last year and really just relying on the run. And that – falls on the shoulders of the offensive lineman. And and Darren Kennard is one of those guys who stood out to me at, at the right tackle position. Uh, you know, they were able to not only win, but they were able to get to a bowl game and win a bowl game. And they passed, like, I don't know, 40 times over the last, like, four games. Um, you know, so I think that that just shows the excellence that they had to play with game in and game out with every team literally knowing what their game plan was coming into the year or coming into the game. Uh, so I love Darren Kennard, and I love the – idea that Kentucky will have a quarterback this year, one. But two, uh, that's going to help out their running game because they can't just sit on the run like they did last year. Um, so I've got receiver and quarterback left. You know what? I'm a safe quarterback. Uh, and I'm going to go with receiver. I'm shocked nobody said this name, um, especially Scott, since he has their quarterback. But I'm going to take Chris Olave. Uh, this is a guy who I if I plan to explode. Um, he will be the number one receiver at um, – Ohio State this year, and if Justin Fields, in, uh, 
Hmm? Yeah, so I, I like Garrett Wilson, but I see Garrett but Wilson's the reason I didn't take Chris Olave. I can't, I can't really argue with you. I, Chris Olave is no, that's a very, good pick. Very good. I, mean, I, I just think, yeah. I just think he expands on what he did last year. This guy sure. who only I think had forty receptions for six hundred and seventy-five yards and twelve touchdowns, and you can only you know being even you know one or two. I think he's the guy who can go over a thousand yards, be all Big Ten, be an All American possibly next year with a quarterback who I think takes the next step as a passer um, next year and. I don't know how you can expand upon what you did, but I don't. Maybe he's putting up Dwayne Haskins type numbers next year. And I think that Chris Olave will only benefit from that. Uh, for me, my uh, second to last pick here, I'm going to take Kylan Granson, the tight end out of SMU. Uh, mm-hmm. I know he's not a huge name; he doesn't play for a big school, but I do think that he is going to be heavily factored in that SMU uh, offense. So for me. Uh, give me uh, Kylan Granson as my tight end and last two picks for Nick here. All right. So uh, my, my last offensive lineman on the board, uh, this one is, is maybe, maybe, you know what? Actually, I'm going to change it up. I was, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking of going cause he's, he's getting a lot of draft buzz and, mm-hmm. and love from sites like PFF. And of course those guys do a great job. And so, uh, I think that uh, somebody like Rashawn Slater at Northwestern might very well, especially if Northwestern really turns it around and, and is, you know, the biggest improver from a, a one-loss standpoint. Uh, he certainly could be a guy that works himself into the All-American conversation. But I think probably if I'm playing the odds here, uh, Clemson is returning one starter on the offensive line, and we expect them to be, you know, preseason number one team and, and – uh, such a, an explosive offense. So I have to think that Jackson Carmen is going to get some buzz uh, from that Clemson offensive line. And, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if he sneaks onto a couple of all American teams. And then finally, my, my all purpose player uh, is in my opinion, the best uh, return man in, in college football, but he's also somebody that caught a touchdown pass, ran for a score and threw a touchdown in uh, the bowl game. Oh, oh! I believe yeah. Xavier mentioned him. Yeah, uh, my, pretty, my guy pretty from recent. Iowa. That's right. Okay. Amir Smith Marset. Uh, great player, a lot of fun to watch. He, he gets his hands on the football a lot, and I know Iowa hasn't always been the most uh, you know innovative looking offense, but I think they've moved that you know in the right direction, and he's got an opportunity to put up some highlight plays as a uh, return man as well. So I think uh, Smith Marset's going to have a bigger role in the offense. But uh, if if nothing else, I think he's the best return man in in college football. Maybe not name Rondell Moore, but uh, <laughs> Smith Marset is is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, for me, my last pick, I got one more running back spot to go. I'm going to take Max Borgie. I know he's a huge question mark at Washington State. And I don't disagree with that at all, but if he uh, can contribute for Rolovich's offense the way he did for Mike Leach's, uh, he's going to be in line to at least get consideration for a lot of those awards. So I've probably waited too long. I do now think that uh, Xavier's uh, pick of going running back, <laughs> running back to start was probably pretty smart with those top two. That so, was, that was a, yeah. So who's the quarterback here? So I had a lot of names. Uh, Everybody knows I'm a Jaden Daniels fan, but I couldn't do it. Uh, I just don't think Arizona State as a team is going to be all that great this year. Um, Maybe an eight-win team. So I was like, no. Um, I thought Sam Howell, but I think 
Trevor Lawrence is going to take literally everything away from him. So I said sure. no. Um, and then, you know, Scott took my guy, oh, Trey Hill, out of Georgia. I knew it. <laughs> so I knew it. As soon as he did that, I was like, you know what? Sam Ellinger. Okay. <laughs> Not only is he going to be playing on a Texas team that's going to be much improved next year, uh, but his competition in the Big 12 outside of Spencer Sanders at uh, Oklahoma State is slim. Uh, Spencer Rattler obviously at Oklahoma, but we all expect Texas to be the best team in the Big 12 and possibly yes. the best team in the country. So yes. with that all, all being the case, Sam Ellinger, got to be the guy. Not only does he do it with his arm, but he does it with his legs. I think he's a guy who can – He's who's going to uh, rise up draft boards pretty fast, uh, depending on the start that he has to the year. And I think he's, I think he's got an opportunity to at least finish his career at Texas with a bang. And I, and I you know, I'm really making Scott feel good with all of these plots that I'm giving him. But I, I think Sam Ellinger could be the guy next year. So I'm gonna have Sam Ellinger as my quarterback. So if he does win anything. Very true. Very true. You know what? Now I'm rooting for Xavier's team. Too. Yeah, I was just saying, I think Scott will be uh, thrilled if you win yeah. this because Sam yes. Ellinger wins the Heisman and Texas. 100%. I will be very, very excited. So just uh, to take a look back at the completed teams now. Nick going with Trevor Lawrence, quarterback out of Clemson. Running backs are Kenneth Gainwell and Jarrett Patterson from Memphis and Buffalo, respectively. He went both Alabama wide receivers in Devontae Smith. And Jalen Waddle uh, wrapped that up with Tyler Wallace, uh, the injured wide receiver, coming back off his ACL tear to Oklahoma State. Pat Fryermuth uh, from Penn State as his tight end. His offensive line consists of Penny Sewell, who uh, Xavier and I were both upset that Nick took <laughs> number one overall. Uh, Jackson Carmen from Clemson, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, and Alaric Jackson from Iowa. And his all-purpose player is. Amir Smith-Marset out of Iowa. For my team, I have Justin Fields as my quarterback. Uh, then my running backs are Najee Harris and Max Borgie. My wide receivers are Jamar Chase, Rondell Moore, and Sage Surratt. And my tight end is Kylan Granson. So I built a great CFF team. I don't know if these guys are going to win awards. And then my offensive linemen are Sam Cosme, Trey Smith, Jimmy Morrissey from Pitt, Trey Hill from Georgia, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, and Wandale Robinson from Nebraska. Xavier finishes us off here with Sam Ellinger as his quarterback. Boo to you. <laughs> uh, Travis Etienne, Chuba Hubbard as his running backs. Wide receivers include George Pickens from Georgia, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, Chris Olave from Ohio State. Tight end is Kyle Pitts, much to Nick Chagrin out of Florida. The offensive linemen are all impossible names. Cole Van Lannon out of Wisconsin, Nolan Laufenberg out of Air Force, uh, Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa, uh, Pete Nestorowitz out of Navy, and Darian Kynard Kennard from Kentucky, and his all-purpose player is Tutu Atwell. So I think we put some pretty good teams here together, fellas. I think so. Mm -hmm. so I think this is going to be great. And then next week, we are going to be doing uh, the defensive side. But before we leave, Nick, who is the most surprising player not picked in our uh, our picks here? That's, that's a good question. I, I think Xavier made a really good point. I, I probably would have said Sam Howell if he didn't point out that Trevor Lawrence uh, is going to probably block him. You know, it's it's going to be really, really difficult for Sam Howell, unless he just absolutely explodes and throws for 5,000 yards, to be the first-team All-ACC quarterback. So, you know, how's yeah. he going to how's he going to uh, make his way onto all American teams uh, unless North Carolina really does just take that that big step. So 
that is, I think, probably would have been my my first uh, instinct. But without that, I, you know, I, I think maybe maybe that's it. I mean, people are really really high on Sam Howell. I think that probably uh, the quarterback position we should expect the unexpected after Joe yeah. Burrow last year, after some of the things we've seen. So maybe it's uh, Spencer Rattler, you know, maybe it's uh, Derek King, maybe it's <laughs> Jamie Newman, who knows? Uh, it's uh, it, it's possibly a first time starter. And, and one thing that was going through my mind was, you know, maybe should I just have picked a true freshman somewhere just for so giggles? Like, is, my, a, is there a Rondell Moore? I mm-hmm. almost picked uh, B. John Robinson. Okay. Mm-hmm. You so, think he's going to win that job? We'll have to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. I, I do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do. I, Keontae Ingram's good, but Bijan, Bijan's pretty damn good. But that is going to wrap it up for us. Remember, you can follow us all on Twitter. For me, it is at Bogman Sports. For Nick, it is at CFB Winning Edge. And for Xavier, it's at Xavier underscore Trish. T-R-I-C-H-E. We will be doing uh, the defensive side of the All-American teams next week, and we will see you then. Also, uh, this is going to be available on YouTube for those of you that are uh, used to listening. If you do like watching uh, pods on YouTube, we now have, you know, we, we went out and uh, purchased StreamYard, so we are doing it uh, from then, so from that platform as well, so this will be available, um, you know, on YouTube as well. I'll be sending it over to Xavier to jazz it up uh, and all that good stuff. So (laughs) Xavier and I are going to have to invest in some green screens. We don't have the fancy graphics. That's right. That's right. That's that's just the pro here. You're going to have to, going to have to figure that out. That's just a fat head. So uh, you, you can get you can get a fat head ordered. Absolutely. Not a sponsor. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. We will see you guys next week to do the defensive side of the All-American team. Take it easy, everybody. CFB Winning Edge is a Patreon-supported outlet. The more support we receive, the more value we're able to bring to our listeners, readers, and users. There are several projects on our wish list for the 2020 college football season, including written previews, a weekly newsletter, and expanded podcast schedule. However, we can't grow without your support. Join us at patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge for details.